You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half hour of Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser coming at you from Fargo, North Dakota, looking at a fine group of young people here in the studio. I'd like to thank all of them for helping out and just ask my wife, I need lots of help, okay? <laughs> I'd like to thank Father Joseph Christensen last half hour talking to us. Father Joseph was talking to us about St. Joseph in the year of St. Joseph. How's that? And again, we just want to thank him for his priestly service and his great insights. And if you missed it, of course, the podcast will be up and you can get all those good insights in things. It, it, it's, it's wonderful. Okay, this half hour, what are we doing? I want to share with you uh, what happened to me yesterday. Okay, I got up, I had breakfast. Well, no, d- beyond all that, I got an email from um, a priest in the Fargo Diocese. not going to name him. But you know, the, this, the COVID-19 thing really has just brought on a lot of questions, hasn't it? The vaccine and ethical things and the morality of things. And There's a lot of questions. And I want to start right off the top by saying, if you have some questions and you're wondering, that's okay. A lot of us probably are wondering, but know where to get your answers. All right. So this priest, he says, I've got parishioners saying, okay, with this vaccine, we've heard somehow, somewhere, it might be kind of connected to uh, aborted, you know, a tissue of aborted babies somewhere down the line. Isn't this an end justifying the means? You can never do evil you know, so that a good comes about, right? So I sent him a long email back saying, you, you're right, of course, that we, we can, the end does not justify the means and that we can never do evil so good comes about. So let's take a look at this. First thing I want to say to you is go to the Catechism, 1749 to 1761. I'm not going to go there right now, but 1749 to 1761 talks about the morality of acts. Now, when we start talking about this, this is what's called moral theology. And people say, oh, theology. I start to glaze over it. It's okay, wake me up and whenever this guy's done, right? But please stay with me. I'm going to talk in terms you understand. And I'm going to put real life examples and you're going to get this. You are going to get this, okay? It, it's, it really, it's quite simple, okay? But sometimes, like I said, the language and stuff makes it a little difficult. So here we go. What do we say a moral act? It's something that I freely choose to do, okay? I freely choose to do, all right? My conscience might say it's good. My conscience might say it's bad, but I freely choose to act. There's always three aspects. Number one is the act itself. Now, sometimes you'll see like in the catechism and other places, it's called the object, right? So you think, object, what does that mean? It means the act itself. What are you doing? I'm driving my car. I'm eating uh, a hamburger, all right? I am playing basketball, all right? What are you doing? And that's always the most important because that act in and of itself can make an action evil, not good. Let me talk about evil for a second. Evil is not a thing. Evil is a deprivation of good, meaning evil's not totally good. There's, not, there's some goodness that we could get still, right? Makes sense? Okay. In this situation, we're here on earth. Very rarely do we have what's a perfect, a fulfillment of all good, right? You see what I'm saying? Because we're sinful people in a sinful culture. The closest thing I can think of is think about Mass. When you're at Mass, you know, the sacrifice of the Mass, that's pretty darn close to perfect, okay? Anyway, so number one is the act. Number two is the intention. Now, here's where your will comes in. What do you, what do you mean? What, what's your desire? What is your intention with this? That's the second thing. 
Okay. Eating a hamburger? Well, it's because I'm hungry. I want to eat. eat. It tastes good. I want to. Okay, cool. Third thing is circumstances. Things like where, what, you know, I was at McDonald's, you know, I thought I'd just pick up a burger because I was, you see what I'm saying? So go back. The act, the intention, the circumstances. Here is the key. The act, that first one, okay, you'll see language like this. That lies outside the person. What do you mean lies outside you? It's simple. We do not determine ourselves whether an act is good or bad. I don't say to myself, I don't say it. I don't define it. This act is good. This act is bad. My intention and circumstances do that. Okay? So the act itself is good or bad. But I don't determine it. That's called objective morality, right? So let's take, let's take an issue. Let's say that we have um, murder, adultery, fornication, contraception. You know, these things, I don't define what they mean. Anytime I intentionally and directly kill an innocent human being, notice I'm not talking about self-defense or something like that, direct, intentional killing of an innocent human being, murder, that is wrong. Regardless of the second part, my intention, regardless of the circumstances. Now, notice I said direct, intentional killing of an innocent human being. If I'm being threatened, I can do self-defense. That's not directly an intent to killing an innocent human being. I'm being threatened. You see the difference? Okay, but the object itself, I don't choose whether it's good or evil, okay? So let's, look, let's go out, look on to the second part then, okay? What about the intention, okay? The act itself might be good. Let's take almsgiving, right? Giving money, all right? That's good, right? Especially if you give it to you, Therese, right? Ah, oh, just kidding. <laughs> but Therese, what if I were to give this money in front of everyone so people would say, oh, look at Tim, he, he, uh, he gives money. He's such a good guy. See, if I give out the intention, all right, of people praising me, well, that's not a good act. Almsgiving itself, the act, is good. But because my intention is bad, the act is bad for me. If someone gives alms with the right intention in the right circumstances, it's a good act for them. Do you see? This is where we can get good for you, but not good for me. Okay? And then, and then the circumstances, right? The what, the where, okay? So let, let's use a couple more examples. Let's use... What is an example of a good act and a good intention, but a bad circumstance? Let's take buying a car, okay? Buying a car, that, that's the act. Nothing wrong with buying a car, okay? That's cool. Second thing, what's your intention? I'm intending to drive it to work, you know, to church, you know, and to help people. Okay, that's good. So your act and the intention are good, okay? But let's, say, let's compare someone who earns a living and, and makes money in an honest way that's how they get their money, to someone who either robs a bank or embezzles the money. Ah, now you see. Those circumstances, the what, the where, the when, you see, in one hand is very good. The whole act is good. Buying a car, good intention, good, uh, good circumstances. But the other one, ah, not so. So you see? Okay, so this is what we have. Let's sum it up, okay? This, the moral act, there's three aspects. The act itself, the intention, and the circumstances, all right? That bad act can make it bad. And this is what we call intrinsic evils. There's no circumstance, no intention that can make a bad act good. And this is the fear of relativism. John Paul II talked about it so much. Everyone wants to define their own truth, okay? And of course, the bad thing that happens is once we legalize something, you cannot say it's intrinsically evil. Let's take abortion, for instance. And I'm talking as a society, right? 
since abortion is quote-unquote legal as a society, then you can't say it's an intrinsic evil act. Why? Because there's intention or circumstances, you see, that will justify it in the society's eyes. So we have to be very, very careful what we say is legal, what's acceptable. And that's why the church is so careful to say there are things that are intrinsically evil, even if we don't fully understand. All right, let's apply this to the COVID-19 situation. Now, what's the act? Injecting the vaccine. Okay, that is not that bad. That's fine. What's the intention? To help your health, to help the good of the common good. The priests, uh, the bishops have talked about this, common good. You know, we need to think of others as well as ourselves. Cool. Circumstances. Here is where the rubber meets the road. Let's talk about this for a minute. What is the difference between this one and maybe some others? Well, the seriousness of the situation. Look at the circumstance. Millions of people have died. You know, uh, we have hospitals overrun. It, this is a serious pandemic. Two, lack of alternatives. All right. There are no vaccines that are 100% totally free of any connection to anything unethical. If there were, and they were effective, then that would be where we should go. But there's lack, there are none of those out there, okay? Now, other vaccines like rubella, chickenpox, hepatitis A, there's only the vaccine there that has, is tainted in some way, some morally. I don't have time to get into it all, but the idea is it's still acceptable for parents to take it for the health of their children and health of society. So again, as I go back, it's not a perfect situation. But being vaccinated is not an intrinsic evil. Wanting good health of you and good health of others is not an intrinsic evil. That's fine. But the circumstances we have to watch. Now, there's different levels of responsibility, right? In other words, the people that take the vaccine and make it, they have the, the biggest responsibility. What are you using? How are you doing it in the production, manufacture, and testing? What are you using? How are you doing it? We, the consumers, we're much more far removed from that, you see. So we don't have as, as, as big a level of responsibility. Think about this. Think about uh, obtaining beer, all right? Yeah. Now, let's go act, okay, intention and circumstances. Act. Uh, so you're a, you're a delivery driver. You deliver beer around. Nothing wrong with that. You're, you're feeding your family. You're delivering beer. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that, with beer, okay? You're very far removed from the alcoholic, so you're not really directly responsible if someone's going to misuse it. You see that? You're, you're kind of a ways away, right? How about the bartender? Maybe a little closer, right? Because I can see that Therese has had a little too much to drink and she wants another beer. It's like, uh, I don't know. You see what I'm saying? I'm closer. Now look at the person themselves. Let's not use Therese. That's because I know she's a great girl. But this person now, I'm going to drink. Okay. Not an intrinsic evil. What's my intention though? I'm just going to get sloshed. Okay, now we have a problem, don't we? Okay, in circumstance. Now, maybe it, you've had some very, very difficult thing in your life. Okay, I get that. So that can make you not as guilty. But do you see what I'm saying? Let's take one more quick example. Driving someone to an abortion clinic. If I do it with full knowledge, right, full knowledge, and I know that's what they're going to do, that's called formal cooperation. I'm right there. Boom. That's evil. Let's say I'm someone, my friend says, hey, you know, can you take me downtown? You know, I just wanted this and that. Okay. They don't tell me that they're going to the abortion clinic. I don't really know it, although, you know, I might think, oh, well, okay, whatever. Okay, I'm not as guilty as knowing and going, right? And let's take a look at the bus driver, again, who's just 
making it, you know, making a living. There's a bus stop near the abortion clinic. I can't control if someone uses the bus to go to the abortion clinic. Do you see what I'm saying? There's different levels of responsibility. So with the, with this vaccine, even though, the, so why do we that the Pfizer and the Moderna ones, especially what I have the bishop said and the the state bishops put out put out a, um, a statement. Why is it acceptable? Because this is, a, again, because this is uh, something we've never seen before for public health, for individual health, and it's the best available. And we are far removed from it. Okay. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, I'll continue to talk a little more about this. Hopefully you had a good time with that. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after that. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Tim Moser. You are listening to Real Presence Live. We're talking about things surrounding COVID-19. The USCCB and the North Dakota bishops have both put out a letter basically saying that even though it's not a perfect situation... Uh, it is acceptable to to take these vaccines for your good, for the common good. Um, and I've talked, I just talked about the moral act for for fifteen minutes. Okay, basically, it's an act, an intent, and circumstances. Okay, some acts are intrinsically evil, and they're wrong no matter what your intention 
where the circumstances are, okay? You can listen to the podcast if you want to get some more of that. But I want to talk about something else that kind of applies. Because remember, getting back to the priest, these people talk about end justifying the means, okay? And again, we, we can't do that. I'm going to try to talk about something. I am going to talk about something that does apply here. It's kind of nuanced, so hang with me. It's called the principle of double effect. Ask Therese if she'd heard of that. She kind of goes, yeah, man, maybe, no, maybe, no. Well, it's the, it's the idea. If I do something, it can have both a good effect and a bad effect, okay? For instance, let's look at someone who's uh, seriously ill, maybe nearing death. They're in pain, all right? Pain medication, okay? That's fine. That That's a good thing, all right? But if you administer the pain medication, it might cause them to die earlier, Oh, you see what I'm saying? Good effect, bad effect, right? How do we know? There's four things we have to think about, okay? Number one, the act must be good or at least indifferent. Going back to the act, right? So ask yourself, is it wrong to give someone pain medication if they are in suffering? No, it's not. So the act itself is fine. Number two, the intention must be the good effect, okay? And the bad, and the bad effect cannot be willed. In other words, I want to ease their pain, right? I don't want to kill, you know, have them die earlier. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? That's the second thing. The third thing, the good and the bad effect must happen together. So stay with me on this, okay? When I give the pain medication, the pain is reduced, right? And at the same time, this bad effect of maybe hastening death is there as well. Do you see what I'm saying? They happen together. What can't happen? The bad effect, dying, cannot cause the quote-unquote good effect. What does that mean? Think about assisted suicide, euthanasia. How am I going to end my pain? By killing myself, you see? That's the bad effect. That bad effect, I cannot kill myself so that my pain will be erased. Now, I'm not you know, getting on people that think this way because if you're in a lot of pain, it can do that. But you see, this is the example of the end does not justify the means. The end of killing, of, of, of uh, the end of reducing your pain is not justified by the means of killing. You with me on this? Does that make sense? So that bad effect can't cause the good effect. I cannot reduce my pain by an illicit act of killing someone. You see what I'm saying? Ah, that's key. And then the fourth thing, the good effect must be significantly more than the bad thing. In other words, relieving my pain is better than maybe taking a little bit of time off my life. Does that make sense? That's that principle of double effect. If we apply it to that, the, the vaccine now, okay, there is some remote connection, okay, with the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Not, no, nothing Elissa was used into production and, and, and all that and the research. But in one confirmation test, there was cell lines that were used way, way back, like the 60s or 70s, or that's where they were procured from an abortion, right? So it's, it's a very remote, no new babies were killed right, doing this. Okay, so again, it's not a perfect world. But let's look at the effect, okay? So, go back to the vaccine. Is the vaccine itself a bad act? No, it's not, all right? So, the second thing about double effect. The intention must be the good effect. What's the good effect? I'm going to be free from this disease. I'm going to help the community be free from this disease. What's the bad thing that is, cannot be willed? Somewhere, some down the line, remotely, there was use of some stem cell lines that were improperly procured, okay? Third thing, 
The good and bad effect must happen together. Okay, when I take the vaccine, yes, I'm taking the vaccine. I'm getting protection. I'm protecting the community. But yes, that other thing did happen. What can't happen? Remember, step three is very, very key. Okay, the bad effect cannot, okay, cause the good. If we were killing new babies like this, all right, to cause that, that you know, I, I, I want to get this vaccine and we're going to, do this, do this, do this. When there's other ways to do it, okay? Killing new babies, taking it right there so everything is illicit, that would not be good, okay? Finally, the good effect must significantly uh, more than the tolerated bad effect. We tolerate the bad effect, right? What are we saying? Okay, yeah, because this is a pandemic, because we need protection, all this kind of stuff, it's okay to take it. I'm not telling you whether to take the vaccine or not. I'm just saying the bishops say it's okay, Right? It's okay. It's not morally bad if you do. You can do it in good conscience. All right, I'm not telling you what to do or what not to do. But the, the bad effect is tolerated. Okay? And in this sense, what the bishops are saying, getting the immunity for you, for a common good, is a much greater good than, yes, the remote distant, right? It's like the bus driver driving along. Someone might get off at the abortion clinic. I don't have any control over that. We didn't have any control over making the vaccine, did we? Okay? So that's what, it, that's what it's talking about. So what did I say to the priest? I gave him all these things. And I said, what the bishops are basically saying, is it's not a perfect situation. We need to stand up. We need to fight and say, we want all ethical medical procedures, right? We don't want to have to have to think about this, right? Everything should be done licitly. Everything should be done well. But in this case, okay, we look, the least offensive are those two. The AstraZeneca vaccine has much more close association with things that are not good. And so the bishops say, we take these two vaccines if you're going to choose to be vaccinated, these rather than the other one. That's what they're talking about, Okay. So we've talked about the moral act. We've talked about double effect. Is this kind of helping clear things up a little bit? I want to talk about one thing. I've got about five minutes left. I want to show you a real-life example of how this works. And here's the key. Remember when we talk about, I'm going to talk about method and motive. Method, right, is the act, how I, what, what I do, right? Motive is, what's my motivation? What's my intention? This is from 1930. Okay, this is about contraception. Here's what the Lambeth Conference said. When there is a clear felt moral obligation to limit or avoid parenthood, if there's a morally sound reason for avoiding abstinence, which I don't, I can't think of one, but anyway, the conference agrees other methods may be used. Ah, you see this? This is the landmark case, 1930, where we got away from method matters. Other methods may be used. If done in light of Christian principles, and look what it says here, there's a strong condemnation for any methods of, that, that come from motives of selfishness. Notice motives, right? My intention of selfishness, luxury, or mere convenience. What did this do? This opened Pandora's box because it says, method does not matter. My motive matters. And 31 years later, the National Council of Churches summed it up saying, most Protestant churches believe that motives rather than methods form the main argument for contraception. Ah, what's happened? What does John Paul II have to say about it? What, what does the moral act have to say about it? Wait a minute. 
there are some actions that are not right, no matter what the intention are. Method does matter. John Paul II says when we're looking at this, objective standards have to matter. Oh, how? I want to step, step back. I was just talking with the bishop about this last week. He agreed this is very, very important. The dignity of the human person. What does it mean to be a human person? Well, I mean, the image and likeness of God. Always a person, always need to be loved in everything, right? What does that mean? Well, let's go back to contraception. That means that as a husband and wife, okay, if I'm really giving everything to myself and taking everything that you're giving me and it's with, in union with God, I cannot hold back my fertility. That's not love. That's not an act of love. I cannot define that this is an act of love. That's an act, remember? <laughs> that defining whether it's right or wrong is outside of me, regardless of my intention. Let's go to the couple that wants to have a child. That's a good and right thing. Wanting to have a child? That, that's a good thing, right? Okay, why? Because I, I want to love, I want to nurture. I mean, I'm married to somebody. That, okay, got it. But how are we doing it? Does method matter? It does. Because of the dignity of the human person, what does it mean? We deserve love every step of the way. John Paul says the only appropriate response to a person is love. What does that mean? That means a children, child is a gift and not a, a gift and not a right. A gift and not a right. They're a person, not property. And when we start manufacturing them, as good as our intentions are to have a child, we now devalue the dignity of human life. Because, because we're made in love, we deserve to be made, created, co-created in a singular act of love by a husband and wife. You see, the act does matter. And what's happened? We've gone away from that. So what, what do we see? We see the devaluing of human life, both in abortion, before life, and at the end of life. Matter of fact, our U.S. Supreme Court, 20 years after we accepted Roe, said we have to accept contraception, I mean, abortion, since we've accepted contraception, the contraceptive mentality. And it also said that man, man determines the meaning of his own life. You see? John Paul II, the true freedom is living in objective truth. So if we sum it all up, what are we saying? There are certain things that are objectively good or evil, and we have to make sure that we know that the act is good or bad, regardless of our intention or circumstances. Some things are always wrong, and that's the key. All right, well, hopefully this has helped so much. Across the break, we're going to talk with our friends from Bismarck. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Thank you so much.